But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And this is God's word to us this morning. Let's pray as we look through God's word together. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you that we can understand your word. Thank you that we can read it in our own language as well. Father, we thank you that we can gather around and, and learn from your word together. Father, I pray that you would help me now um, to speak from you, not from myself, that you would speak through me. Lord, would you prepare our hearts as well as we look through your word. Father, help us to know that we can cry out to you. Father, help us to know that as we cry out to you, you hear us. So be with us now as we read through your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We live in a broken world. Don't we? We live in a world full of pain, full of distress, full of heartache, full of death, full of sorrow, disruption, corruption, and brokenness. Don't we? This world is absolutely broken. This world's broken, it's hard, it's not easy to live in. And we do regularly feel the weight of that broken world. We regularly feel the weight of our sin, we regularly feel the weight of physical pain throughout our lives. And we regularly feel the weight of this broken world that we live in. And David here is feeling the weight of this broken world that he lives in, this broken world that we live in. But through Psalm 6, through what David is crying out, I want to show you today that there is actually good news in this broken world. And that good news is that we can cry out to God. We can cry out to God, the creator of the universe. As David cries out to God throughout his life in this Psalm of Lament, David is crying out to God. And I want you to see that today you can cry out to the Lord in your distress, in your distress, and he will hear you. You can cry out to the Lord in, in your distress, and he will hear you. You want me to use this one? Sorry, a couple of technical difficulties. So as we come to the first section of this text, um, look with me again at verse three. We can see here in verse three that David says that his soul is greatly troubled. David is greatly troubled. But what does David do when he's greatly troubled? Well, he cries out to the Lord, doesn't he? So the first thing that I want us to look at in verses one to three is that we can cry out to the Lord when you're greatly troubled. You can cry out to the Lord when you're greatly troubled. But why is David greatly troubled? Let's look again at verse one as well. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled, and my soul also is greatly troubled. David in verse one, he is greatly troubled because the Lord is rebuking him and the Lord is disciplining him. Right? He is greatly troubled because of the Lord's rebuke and discipline in his life. And one thing that we know is that the Lord will rebuke and the Lord will discipline his children 
because, because they're not perfect, because of sin, because of a sin problem in their lives. God disciplines his children the same way that a loving father would discipline his children. When they're not doing well in life, the loving father would discipline their children um, in the same way that God disciplines us. But it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when we're in God's discipline or in his, in his rebuke as well, when God's rebuking, rebuking and disciplining. And David is feeling the weight of this now. David is feeling the weight of this rebuke and this discipline. And it's got to be because of some sort of sin problem in his life. I mean, we all have a sin problem in our lives, don't we? We all struggle with sin in our lives in this broken world. And David is also struggling with a sin problem. But one thing David sees and knows is that he's in need of God's grace. So he cries out to God and he's in need of God's grace. In the midst of this sin problem, in the midst of this rebuke and discipline, he's in need of God's grace. If you look at verse 2 as well, be gracious to me is what he says. Be gracious to me, O Lord. He's crying out to the Lord and saying, be gracious to me. The words used here in verses two, uh, in verse 2 are, are more positive. Now, instead of don't rebuke me and discipline me in verse 1, it is now give grace to me, do give grace to me, and do heal me, right? They're more positive ways of, um, of, of David crying out to God. He understands that he needs God's grace because of some sort of sin problem in his life. He needs God's grace. And with this suffering or this, this problem, this sin problem that David's going through, he's weak. He is weak. In verse 2 it says, For I am languishing. It's a strange word. I, never, I didn't really know what it meant. But languishing means incredibly weak, nearly like unable. Completely weak. He is completely weak and broken because of this sin problem in his life. And what does he choose to do? He chooses to call out to God, to cry out to God, cry out to the Lord and ask for God's grace. Ask for the Lord's grace. David also needs this healing because he's completely weak as well. In verse 2, he talks about this healing. And then he talks about two very, um, two kind of statements that are talking about his whole body. For my bones are troubled and my soul also is greatly troubled. This literally, this, the words used here, basically he's saying that his entire body is in pain. Something is serious is happening to his entire body. He is completely weak. He's completely broken. Something serious is happening to his entire body because of, some, because of sin because of this brokenness, this broken world, this broken lives that we live in. David is a man of God, isn't he? He's a man of God. We know that throughout David's life. And David chooses to cry out to God, even in this brokenness, even in this, um, in this languishing, in this weakness that he's going through, when his whole bones and his whole soul are greatly troubled. David chooses to cry out to God. And maybe you... Maybe you know what it feels like to be completely broken because of sin. Maybe you know what it feels like to be completely broken because of sin, like David does right here. I think we all do. I think we all know what it feels like to be completely broken, to be sitting at the edge of your bed, broken because of a sin problem in your life, because you're going through a hard time in your life, maybe, and you can feel completely broken and you can come towards God and you can say, God, I ask, forgive me. God, forgive me. 
Every night you might come before God and say, God, forgive me. And we are supposed to. We should come before God and ask for forgiveness. We should cry out to the Lord and ask for his grace and ask for his, his forgiveness. But does this sin make you weak? Are you weak because of this sin problem in your life, of these sins in your lives? Do you ever struggle even to take it towards God? Do you even struggle to take it towards God? Or do you try to do it by yourself? Do you try to deal with it by yourself without God's help? That never works out. If we try to deal with our sin problems without crying out to God, it never, it never works. I love traveling. Okay? I love traveling. I love traveling to anywhere I can go. I, love, I enjoy flying. But sometimes there's one part of a flight that I just don't really like so much. Actually, I, I pretty much hate it, and that's the turbulence. I hate when you're sitting on the flight and you get this turbulence. And, and I think of like my worst fear, the worst thing that could possibly happen. And my worst nightmare would be if we were sitting 40,000 feet up in the air, right? And suddenly out of nowhere, you hear this strange loud noise and then an alarm starts blaring. And before you know it, the plane is plummeting towards the ground. You're thrown back in your chair, time freezes. But then what if you started to think, in that situation, what if you started to think to yourself, I know how I'm going to get out of this. I know how I'm going to save the day. I'm going to jump onto the wing of the plane. I'm going to start to steer the, work with the steering flaps, and I'm going to pull this plane back up. I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to fix the engine on the plane, and I'm going to save the day. I might even walk into the cockpit of the plane with no flying experience whatsoever, no idea what's going on, and I'm going to fly us out of this mess. It would be quite ridiculous, wouldn't it? That would be quite ridiculous. In those kind of situations, you can do nothing. You're stuck there. You're stuck to the back of the chair and you can't move. You can't do anything. Only the person in the cockpit can do something. Only the pilot who knows everything about the plane, only the pilot who has been working with these planes for all his life knows how to save you out of this. Only the one who's in control of the plane can get you out of this. You can't get out of it yourself. And it's the same with your sin. You can't get out of your sin problems yourself. You can't save yourselves out of your sin problems. Only the one who created you, only the God who created all things, only the God who created the universe can help you and he can sustain you and he can save you out of your sin problems. So cry out to God when you're greatly troubled because of your sin. Cry out to the Lord. You can cry out as David did, crying out to the Lord when he's greatly troubled. At the end of verse 3, David says this phrase, But you, O Lord, how long? This shows another level of kind of distress in David's life. He's showing impatience, basically. How long? How long until I get out of this sin struggle? How long until I get out of this problem? And maybe you felt like that as well in your life. Maybe you felt like God hasn't relieved you of a sin problem in your life yet. And you've been asking for ages and ages, God, take this out of my life. Maybe God just hasn't yet. But notice what David does. Even though God hasn't taken him out of this struggle in his life, out of this problem, he doesn't just forget about God. He doesn't just run away from God because God hasn't saved him directly out of this problem right now. No, he continues to cry out to God. And we see that all throughout the book of Psalms, that David cries out to God. And he continues to do that. David knows that without God, he can't be saved out of these sin problems. He can't, be sin, he can't be saved out of these problems of the world. 
He needs to be saved by God. So he chooses to cry out to God in his great, when he's greatly troubled. But look at, what he, what, look at what he also tries, or when he also cries out to God, and he also cries out to God in physical fear, and namely the, the threat of death. So today, I want you to see that you can cry out to the Lord in the threat of death. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. Verse 4, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Right, David is going through some sort of physical struggle now. It kind of changes the tone from this sin struggle that, that we see that he was dealing with, with the rebuke and discipline of God before. And now it's into more of a physical struggle, namely the, the threat of death. He's, he's scared of dying, essentially. So he asks God to deliver his life in verse 4. But why would God deliver his life? Well, what does he ask for? It's for the sake of your steadfast love. He's bringing in this language, which is covenantal language, essentially. Essentially, this is the covenant. This is talking about the covenant that God established with his people. And he established it with his people in Abraham and Genesis. And he established it with Moses. And he established it with his people um, throughout the whole Bible. And he establishes that now with you. If you're in him, he established this covenant with you. His steadfast love is with you. It's been with people throughout, his people throughout all of um, eternity until now, or all, all of the world until now, and it's continuing on. So David asks for God to save him because of his steadfast love, because of your steadfast love, this covenantal love, this promise that God has made, that he will be with David, that he will be with you. And when God makes a promise, he doesn't let you down. He's not like people on this world that let us down when they make promises. No, when the Lord makes a promise, he means it. And he's done that all throughout history, hasn't he? From creation, through the whole Bible, until now, God will not go back on his promise. So you can cry out to the Lord, who has promised you that he will be with you always. And God, through his steadfast love, will be with you through these biggest fears of your life, through these biggest, these hardest trials of your life, these sin problems in your life, God will be with you through his steadfast love that he has promised to you. David's crying out to the Lord in the fear of death. Maybe more specifically, he's crying out to the Lord because he says there's no, that he's not going to remember the Lord when he dies. And in Sheol, who will give you praise? Essentially, this is like in the Hebrew belief at David's time, they didn't know about heaven. They didn't believe or didn't, yeah, they just didn't know about heaven yet. They didn't know, they didn't have a hope of, of resurrection or heavenly truth that they would dwell with God in heaven. They didn't know exactly what that would look like because they didn't have the whole story of the Bible just yet, right? They didn't have the whole story right through um, until Jesus comes. And we do have the whole story now. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But the Hebrews believed that there was no hope of heaven. They believed that Sheol was basically just a state of death. It was like silent and gray. It was just kind of nothingness, just this state of death. They didn't really know much about the afterlife um, at this stage. Um, so David is basically crying out that he's not done remembering God and he's not done giving praises to God, right? He feels the weight of this physical death because he, well, it seems as if he wants to continue to remember God and wants to continue to praise God and is worried that he's not going to be able to do that. 
And for us, even though we do know the truth that through Christ, we can and we will be with God for all of eternity, we may still feel the weight of physical death. We may still feel the weight of physical death, maybe not even just for our own lives, but for our family members, for our friends as well. We may still feel the weight of physical death. This might be a fear for you. And we will all die one day. One day, every single one of us, every single one of us in this room will die. But I want to encourage you, when you feel the weight of the fear of that physical death, cry out to the Lord. Come to the Lord in your suffering. And if you, don't know, if you don't know him, he welcomes you with open arms. Come to him. Cry out to God for salvation, especially in the midst of physical suffering. Remember Jesus. Jesus, who knew more about this physical suffering than any of us. He went to the cross for us. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was the only one that didn't deserve to be mocked and beaten. He was the only one who's walked on this earth who didn't deal with the sin problem, but he still suffered. The only one. Jesus came and he died in our place. He died as a substitute for us. For us, even in the midst of all of our sin problems, even in the midst of us turning away from God and not caring about God, Jesus came and he died for us. So that if you believe in him, if you turn away from the things that you've done that are against him and you trust and believe in Jesus. He will save you and you will be with him for all of eternity. Remember, we know more about the, about the story now than David did when he wrote this letter. We know more about the story now. We know that Jesus rose again from the dead, defeating death. And now we will stand in heaven with him if you're in him. Just as John reflected on in Revelation 7, um, verses 9 and 10, he said... After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out to the Lord with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. One day, every single one of us who believes in Jesus, one, of, one day, every single one of us who is God's people, through God's steadfast love, we will dwell with God for all of eternity. We don't have to have exactly the same fear as what David had here that he wouldn't remember and he wouldn't praise God after death because we, if we're in Christ, we will. We will remember God. We will praise God after death in heaven for all of eternity. And that's the truth. That's true. We will stand. If we are his people, we will stand and sing praises to God for all of eternity. So when you feel the weight of physical death. Come to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord, just as David did, because we still feel that weight. Cry out to the Lord. You can cry out to the Lord in the midst of your sin problems, in the midst of these physical fears, but you can also cry out to the Lord in your weeping. Cry out to the Lord in your weeping. Look at verses six and seven with me. David says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears and I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Now we hear of this great sorrow of David, this great suffering, his weeping, his brokenness. We hear this very deeply. 
David uses a lot of exaggeration throughout this psalm, doesn't he? And this might feel like quite a lot to us when David says, I flood my bed with tears and I drench my couch with weeping. But to, but to David, this isn't over the top at all. This is exactly how he feels. In verse 7, this is the first time in this, um, in this passage that we hear of David's physical foes, his enemies. So there's some sort of enemies or human people that are trying to, to get to David. And David is feeling this pain because of these people who are trying to get to him. These people are causing David massive distress. David's not in an easy life situation. So the words that he says when he says, I flood my bed with tears and my eye wastes away with grief. This isn't over the top. This is real for David. But maybe as I read those words, as I read the words that I flood my bed with tears, my eye wastes away with grief. Maybe those words feel quite real to you today as well. Maybe they feel quite real to you, or maybe they have felt real to you before in your life. Where you've been in such a hard moment of suffering and struggle, weeping before God, crying out before God, broken before God. They might feel like your eyes are wasting away. You might feel like there's no more tears left. You might feel like you've soaked the pillow that you're crying into. This is what David's feeling. And we can feel, we've, I'd imagine that most of us have maybe felt the same in different situations in our lives. That we've been broken before God, that we've been weeping in our lives. And this suffering that David's facing, it's not just a temporary moment of suffering, it's not just one moment in his life. He references both being in bed, right? So he says, at night in bed, and he says, on his couch, um, which was basically somewhere that they would sit all day, similar to what our sofas would be now. On his couch as well. So this is a daily struggle. This is a consistent struggle in David's life. He feels weak. He feels devastated. He feels broken. He is broken. And he is weeping before God. He cries out to God. One of the hardest things, I think, that could happen in our lives... One of the hardest things as we live on this earth would maybe be that phone call from a family member or a friend telling you that something really, really serious has happened. That phone call that your, your family phoned you saying, your, your brother or sister or somebody, they've gone into hospital. Something serious has happened. They've been in a car accident, for example, and they're potentially in their last hours of life. You've got to get to the hospital immediately. You've got to get right over there. This is possibly one of the hardest things that we could go through. There's nothing that you can do in those situations but sit and weep. And it feels isolating and it feels, (laughs) you just feel alone. You feel like you're in your loneliness. You feel devastated. You feel like you can't go anywhere. You feel trapped in those moments. And that's how David feels here. David feels trapped. David David feels broken. David is weeping. But there is one place that you can turn. But there is one person that you can turn to. And there is one who David turns to. And you can cry out to the Lord. Who does hear. And does love us with his steadfast love. You can cry out to the Lord even in these hardest, hardest times of your life. 
you can cry out to the Lord. As David has throughout this whole passage, David's cried out to the Lord in the face of sin. David's cried out to the Lord in the fear of physical death. And now David's cried out to the Lord in his weeping. He's cried out to the Lord in his weeping. But we don't cry out. David doesn't cry out to somebody who doesn't hear. David doesn't just cry out to nothingness. David's crying out to the Lord. David is crying out to the Lord who hears, the one who created all things, the one who promised his steadfast love. And when David cries out, David cries out in confidence. So I want to encourage you finally today that you can cry out to the Lord in confidence. Let's look at verse 8 to 10 with me. David says, Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping, the Lord has heard my plea, and the Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. The entire tone of this psalm has just changed. The entire tone. David is crying out to the Lord through the first seven verses of this, and the entire tone changes now. But why does, it, why does the entire tone change? Why does David now have confidence? Well, it's because of the Lord. The Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. It's because of the Lord. David has confidence in the Lord. So when we cry out to the Lord, we cry out in confidence that God will hear and he will accept your prayer as this, in the same way that God has heard and accepted David's prayer today. David's been suffering. David's been crying out to the Lord throughout this whole thing. But now he's a, he's a confident person. As a child, I wasn't a very confident person. I always hated the days that I had to get up in front of class, in front of the class and present. Those were the worst days. Like they were awful. Hated it. Having to get up in front of class, all eyes on me. And I'm sure maybe you've had a similar fear, and maybe in your childhood and your upbringing as well. But remember, think about a child. The week leading up to a project, it's awful. Nights on nights of preparation, your anxiety's high, you've got no confidence in yourself. And then the day comes, and you're standing there, and you're shaking before you're about to get up to present to the class. You're just so worried, you're so scared, you've got no confidence at all. But then somebody walks in through the door. But then what if your parents walked in through the door and they came up to you and they know how to calm you down, don't they? They know how to help you. And they know how to change your entire mood to make you more confident. And they sit with you and they, they sit you down and they, they help you out. And then you get back up there and you're about to get up and present, and you have this completely different kind of demeanor about you, don't you? You would, be, you would be confident because you've been given that confidence by your parents who are sitting there. And in a similar way, when we are, are distressed, when we are crying out, when we are broken, we can still have confidence in the Lord and who the Lord is because he's there and he hears and he accepts your prayer. David opened in verse 8 with a line of confidence. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Now, David's speaking of human enemies here. We don't know the exact context of this psalm. 
Um, but we do know throughout David's life that he, he does deal with human enemies, doesn't he? He dealt with Saul as he um, led his army to try to chase after David, to kill David, didn't he? And David cried out to God in that threat of death. When his enemies surrounded him, David cried out to God. And God did deliver him and God did save him. And I'd imagine there's probably nobody in this room today who's being chased by a human enemy. At least I hope not. (laughs) I'd imagine nobody here is getting chased by a human enemy. But we do all have a common enemy. We do all have one common enemy in this this world. And that's, that's the devil. That's the devil who tries to take us away from God through his wicked schemes. 1 Peter, verse 5, says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And this reality can cause us great distress, that the devil's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking to devour us, seeking to catch us, seeking to catch us into sin, seeking to bring us into fear of physical death, seeking to bring us into this weeping and this brokenness, seeking for us not to cry out to God. But we can have confidence because the Lord, is, the Lord is more powerful. The Lord is greater. The Lord is better. And we can cry out to the Lord who has called us to cry out to him. And we can stand in the face of the devil as he tries to bring us into, bring us into sin and he tries to um, yeah, bring us into sin. We can cry out to God and we can stand with confidence, not curled up, not greatly troubled because of, because of sin. But we can stand in confidence in the fear of of the devil in the, in the face of the devil just as David did David said in verse 9 as well or in verse 10 that all his enemies will be great, greatly ashamed or ashamed and greatly troubled so instead of David now feeling greatly instead of David feeling greatly troubled now his enemies are feeling greatly troubled there's a parallel here it's complete opposite right David's not feeling troubled anymore, but because of God, because of the Lord, because of what the Lord has done, David's enemies are now greatly troubled. David had confidence, actually throughout the whole psalm, actually throughout the whole psalm as he cried out to God, he actually did have confidence in God, right? He knew who God was. In verse two, he talked about God's grace. In verse three, or in verse two, he also talked about God's healing as well. And in verse four, he talked about God's steadfast love. David knew about God's steadfast love. David knew about God's grace. David knew that God is able to heal him. And today, I hope that you know that truth as well. I hope that you know that truth, that when you cry out to God, when you're greatly troubled because of sin, in the fear of the reality of death, and when you're weeping, in any season of suffering, you can cry out to the Lord and you can cry out to him with confidence as his people, if you believe and trust in Christ if you believe and trust in Christ Jesus. So today, in whatever situation you're facing, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord and he will hear you. Do you know him? Do you know him personally as your savior today? Have you trusted in him? Have you come to know him? Have you trusted that Jesus suffered and died for you? As we reflect on that soon at the Lord's Supper as well, think on that. If you don't know him yet, come to know him. He cries out. He, op- he opens his arms to you and you can cry out to him. And if you do know him, you will face troubles in this world. You will face trials. You will face hard th- hardships in this world. Every single one of us does. 
cry out to the Lord in your distress, and he will hear you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you that as David cried out to the Lord, that we can cry out to you as well, just as David did. Father, help us in every situation of our lives, in our sin problems, in our physical fears, in our weeping, to cry out to you. But to know that as we cry out to you, that we cry out in confidence because you are the God who hears. You're the God who knows us. You're the God who loves us if we are your people. And Father, I pray for anybody here this morning that might not know you, might not be living for you, might not be trusting in you. Father, would you bring them into knowledge of you? Would they cry out to you? And would they know and trust and believe in you as their saviour? Thank, you thank you for your word, Lord. Help us this week to cry out to you in our distress and know that you will hear us. In Jesus' name, amen.